If we have any youth still left in the building, you are dismissed. We'll meet you in the foyer. Okay, good morning, everyone. While those bags are being sent to the back, I'll just give you a, a very nice testimony. There's so much bad and evil and darkness in the world, and you have to really now go out and look and find the good, you know. Where in days past it was easy, the people doing good all over, and now you have to go out and look for it. But this week I got a, an email from a young lady in our church, and some emails are better than others. So this email was amazing. The email reads, Dear Pastor Rifle, um, one of my friends are getting married, so we're going to have a bachelorette party. I'm thinking, so what's that got to do with me? You need me to come over and dance or, you know? <laughs> so in any case, it continues, and this, this young lady says... The lady who's getting married had an idea. At this bachelorette party, we are going to write letters to women in prison. And we just want to know, as you are involved in the prison ministry, who do we give it to? What would be encouraging? How do we get that to them? Is that not amazing? That people at a, I've been to bachelor parties where people needed nearly to come and pray for us in prison the next day because of what we did. <laughs> But this is a, a bachelorette party where they want to write encouraging letters to women in prison to just encourage them. Isn't that good news? Praise God. There's good news out there. It's all around us. Praise God for sending that. Yeah. So, um, next week my mom will be going back. So this is the last Sunday. She should be here now. She's probably walking outside, taking in the sights before she leaves. But there's a little funny story here, but there's a, a spiritual reality or spiritual truth behind the story. And last Tuesday, I took my mom on the back of the Harley and we went to Yorktown. And we had a ball. It was, it was an amazing day. So we left home because we were waiting for the weather and last week was just raining every single day and we wanted to go out so we couldn't. So praise God, Tuesday was a beautiful day, so... We get onto the bike and we start riding. We're not even two minutes away. She says, my legs are cold. I said, okay, so now we've got to go back home. And so now she's got a leather jacket on. So now I dress her out fully. I get my chaps down to the bottom. Leather jacket, she's decked. So we start riding. She says, this is better. This is good. So we go. We ride to Yorktown. We have a wonderful lunch there. Walk around, meet people. We stop at Williamsburg at the outlets and... Uh, Park in one parking, and the guy next to me looks at the bike. He says, man, that's an amazing bike. And he starts speaking. I say, praise God, the Lord gave this to me. such a wonderful gift. So he's waiting for his wife. So when his wife comes closer, she realizes that my mother is my riding partner. I don't know what she thought. This guy with an elder lady on the back of the bike, I have no idea. You know, people think bikers, man, they just do everything. So in any case, so she looks at my mom. She says, are you getting on that thing? 
So my mom says yes, you know, and she talks about my, and we just had a, the most amazing conversation, and they're from Midlothian, made some new friends out there, and she said, how old are you? So my mom said, I'm nearly 70, so she said, so there's still hope for me, maybe one day I can still do that. But the thing behind this is, God put on the inside of me to have a bike. When I was young, I, there are three things I wanted to do, have tattoos, have a bike, have a Harley, and, and be a DJ. Three things from I can remember that is what I wanted to do. I'm living two of the three right now. But we were not in our house, we were not allowed a bike because it was too dangerous. You would get killed. And my dad at that stage was not saved. So the way that he would make sure that I didn't get a bike was fear. And when you're not saved, you manipulate with fear most of the time. So I would go and say, man, Dad, I'd really like a bike. And his answer was, I will take you to the hospital, and we will go through the ward where everyone had motorcycle accidents, and they broke their necks, and they're in wheelchairs, and they're losing you know, limbs, and then you talk to me about having a bike again. That was his way of saying, you know, I'm scared for you. God's protection is not great enough for you, so you will not have a bike. Praise God, my dad is saved now, and when I showed pictures of the bike, his uh, you know, message back was many, many happy miles on your bike. So he's saved now. But the, the thing is that all my life I wanted to have a bike, and I asked, and I couldn't have it, and I obeyed my parents. I did not rebel. And Tuesday's ride with my mom on the back of the Harley was worth 45 years of waiting. Because it was something that's in me. I, I don't know why. It's just, it's there. And one reason I know is that I can reach people on the bike that you can't in your car. That's just, you know, God does that. And there are people who need to be reached all through life. It doesn't matter where you go. Jesus loves every single person, paid for every single person, wants every single person to hear the goodness of God. So whether you do it in a bike or you can't, you can do it on a, in a car. Just, just get them to know that Jesus loves them. But that was put in me. And my parents couldn't stop it. The economy couldn't stop it. Even though for many, 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 many years it was not happening. You may have something in you that it hasn't happened yet. Back to today's word, you know, the time. But the enemy cannot stop what God has placed in your heart. And for many, many years it was, why God? Can't they see in this? Why? You know, I wished it would just go away because I was never going to get the bike. And look what God has done. The enemy could not stop that. Nothing can stop the dreams and the plans that God puts in your heart but you. The enemy can't stop that. And each and every one of us have something in here. Every one of us carry that something that is from God. And no matter who says what, no matter who says no, it's not going to happen. They do not have the final say. You and God do. So just hold on to that because His Word will come to pass. It will not fade away. It will not fail. God doesn't know how to lose. And because we're in this kingdom, neither do we. So hold on to that dream in your heart because it will come to pass. Okay. Uh, today we want to look at just a couple of different things. If we can go to Psalms 91. We'll start off there. Tyler, is there water in the back here? Can you just check there? Just get a water, thanks. Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2. 
very familiar scripture we read as people tell us to pray and every day use us as armor. So he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh my goodness, I almost forgot. Thank you, Jesus. I have a video to show you. I completely forgot. I do, yeah. Edward, can you please show us the video and then we will continue. Church. I lead up Rhema Interventions Ministry, ministry that is basically uh, the main program for the ministry is just to help guys from prison who are in prison that we see and people who come out of prison and are back into normal society. Uh, so many times we come and we ask people to help and to sponsor and I just think it's good if you can see people who the money is actually helping. You're sowing seeds into the ministry but every now and then it's just nice to see that wow this is what my seed is doing, I'm giving money you know, we have a question sometimes, who is this money really going to? Who is this money really helping? So just thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your money. Thank you for the time that people are giving. And it's just an amazing video for you to see who your money is really helping, where the money is really going. I can honestly tell you that lives are being changed through your generosity, through your giving. These are just a couple of faces of the guys who have been helped and their life is different because of our partnership. You sponsor, you give money, I'm able to go into the prisons and together we are making a difference and these guys and these ladies will tell you that life is different because of your giving. So my name is Shane Brown and I just want to thank Rhema Intervention for sowing into my life. Uh, because of Rhema, I have a job, I have a home, and I have a, a home church, that's my family. So I just want to thank you for sowing seed into my life uh, and for just believing. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Wesley Tompkins, and I just want to say, because of Rema Inventions, I have a place to stay. Because of Rema, I have food. Because of Rema, I have I know who the love of God is in my life. Thank y'all. Tim, and thanks to Rema, uh, when I came home from prison, there was a local fellowship that I could join because of the bridge Rema Interventions built. Um, because of Rayma Interventions, I was able to get a job. Um, thanks to Rayma Intervention, I have discipleship and mentorship by way of Pastor Rifle and others. And um, thanks to Rayma Intervention, I have I have access to uh, a lot of resources. I've, I've come to grow in Christ, and um, it's, it's blessed my life. So thank you so much. Thank you for partnering with Rayma Intervention. Thank you so much for partnering with Rayma Intervention. Thank you for partnering with Rainer Intervention. Thank you so much for your giving. We all really appreciate it and we are making a difference. God bless you as you keep on giving and praying. We appreciate you, we love you, and thank you so much for Rainer Intervention. Almost forgot that. When, when we started Rhema Interventions, God just spoke to me and uh, said, just get a house for these guys so that they can stay there, so that they can live there for a year without worrying about where can we live. If we don't get a job, where are we going to be? So that they could really just have peace of mind. All they needed to do was get a job. That's all. Because sometimes if you have to worry about where money's going to come from, it's easier to go back to the way you were before you were out of prison and a lot of people just go back. So... 
I started looking around and I went to other people who had done something like this before. And every single person, when I asked, you know, do you have advice? What would your words of wisdom be to me? They said, don't do it. That was their advice. Do not do it. I said, what do you mean don't do it? They were like, these people don't change. They never change. They're in prison. They're in jail for a reason. They'll come out and they'll steal from you and they'll lie to you and they'll hurt you. And, they'll and that was their comment about when I said, man, God has told us to do this. We're going to go out and start this. You've also done this before. What is your advice? And their advice was don't do it. And I wondered to myself sometimes, what if they would come to this church and they would hear Artem preaching now? Would they, would they still say, you shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. Would they still be able to say, he's going to steal, he's going to hurt, he's going to take all the goodness you give to him and he's going to just turn it around and use it against you? Or will they sit here and be hit by the anointing of God to the point where they say, oh my goodness, buy two more houses. You see, because they didn't know Artem, they didn't know Jay, they didn't know Shane, they didn't know Wes. They just knew a thug. But they didn't know that God is a call on these men's lives. They didn't know that Harvest is the church that we are. Maybe they were a different, some of them were churches, some of them were just normal, you know, government-run programs. But they didn't know the love that resides in this house for all mankind. So that even if they should make a mistake, we here would say, it's okay, we forgive you, we still love you, we still want the best for you and nothing less. They didn't know that. So I just wanted to, I always wanted to do a video thing like this, but I just, video savvy and all of that stuff, I just did not know how to do it. And Artem came along one day and he said, hey, why don't we do this? I said, that would be amazing, but I don't know how to do it. And he just said, okay, just, is it okay if we do this for Ram? I said, praise God, that would be awesome. So all of that was Artem. He said, all you have to do is just sit down. All you have to do is just sit down and just give an interview about what Rhema is. That's all. I'll do the rest. And he put all of that together. Isn't that amazing? So to everyone who gives to Rhema, thank you. Thank you so much. Because you are really, really, really helping men's lives to be different. Some people give a lot. I've had one person give me a dollar and say, this is what I have. This is all I have, but I want to give it to you and what you are doing. And that's helping people change. I mean, you don't walk out of prison and get handed a key to a fully furnished, nicely furnished apartment and say, yeah, this is yours. There you go. We trust you. We believe in you. We want the best for you. Your past is in the past. It's not who you are. We all make mistakes. So he has a, a new start, a new beginning that Harvest has put together for you through Rayman Interventions. Not, not many people get that, but we have provided that for some men, and we're believing for more. So just thank you so much for what you're doing because, I mean, you, you've seen these guys. You know them. You see them here at church. They're amazing people. They're wonderful men but they wouldn't have been able to do what they're doing now if it were not for your giving. So thank you so much for helping and sponsoring and giving to Rayman Interventions. Thank you, guys.
So back to Psalm 91. Okay. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Verse 1 where it says, He who dwells. What does it mean to dwell? It means to permanently inhabit, to stay there, to not be moved, to not be swayed, to not leave. That is dwell. You stay there no matter what. You see, you have a dwelling place. It's your address. If someone sends somebody to you, where do you dwell? This is where you go to work, you go to class, you go... But that's where you, you come back. That is your base. That is where you are. And you do not move from that place. You're not one night there, then another place. Then that is your resident. That is your dwelling place. So here it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And I think sometimes when we read he or she in this case, we forget that we are three-part beings. We forget spirit, soul, and body. And we dwell in one term of the word. But the other two, it's easy to maybe push aside, even though you're dwelling. You see, you may, in your physical body, you may be here right now, but your mind is not here. You may be somewhere else. So you're not dwelling here in church, listening, taking in the word because your mind is somewhere else. So it's easy to say, oh, I dwell in church every Sunday. I go there. This is where I dwell. But you don't, your physical body is here, but your mind is dwelling somewhere else. And we forget that. So here when it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, it means your spirit, your soul, your will, your thoughts, your emotions, they dwell in the secret place of the Most High and do not depart there from that place. And that's a problem. Because it's very, very easy if you walk and you stump your toe, what do you do? You stop and you go, ah, oh, and you... But what happens when your soul gets bumped? Do people stop and say, oh, that hurt my soul, that was not right, I need my soul fixed. We don't. What do we do when your soul gets bumped many, many times? Just carry on. Pretend nothing happened. Don't even know that that was harmful to your soul. And you carry on and you carry on and you carry Yet you dwell physically in church every Sunday, but your soul is so damaged. And now out of a damaged soul comes damaged thoughts. Out of your damaged thoughts comes damaged words. And now life is a mess. Why? Because you're not dwelling in your three-part being in the secret place of the Most High. And it's easy when you read, He who dwells. Yes, I'm there. I dwell. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. But how is your soul when, because the enemy comes every single day and he tries to get to your soul. How do you act? How do you dwell? How steadfast are you in your dwelling place, in the secret place of the Most High, when those things come against your soul? Do you stay there, soul realm? Or does your soul wander and go other places under 
away from the shadow of his protection where he's guarding and looking after you and God is you know wings over you like a mother hen or are you not there your physical body is there but your head is not your mind is somewhere else you can be lying in bed at night but you are not really there you are in the doctor's appointment the next day thinking that that scan is going to say this and when that scan says that my life is over because there's no cure you're not in bed your body is there but you are not there because your soul is somewhere where it should not be so this is very i think insightful when it says he who dwells and we are spirit soul and body we need to dwell spirit soul and body under the shadow of the almighty and we cannot allow anything to get us away spirit soul or body from that dwelling place of the almighty and it's too easy these days for people's souls to get damaged and to get hurt and to get bumped without realizing what is happening if you don't stop and fix that because now all of a sudden you will say something which is not right and you may look and think to yourself where did that come from from a damaged soul because you didn't look after your soul the first time you got hurt you didn't stop and say wow that's not from god that was from the enemy and you didn't take control you didn't take every thought captive you let one or two thoughts go through and they festered and they lingered and now it's a huge problem because we didn't dwell in the secret place of god that song we sang this morning um I will hide myself. I didn't know they were going to sing this song. I just asked Seth afterward. I will hide myself in the shadow of your wings. I will hide myself, spirit, soul, and body, under the shadow of your wings. Every part of me needs to be under his shadow. Every part of me needs to be so close to him that it touches his shadow at all times. So when something comes to your soul and it's damaging or it's hurtful, you realize that that is not of God and I choose now to stay here under his shadow because that's the only place I'm going to find protection and victory and the enemy comes and he says come on man give them a piece of your mind it's not right that someone should treat you that way and when you even just listen to that you're moving away from his shadow and he's over there and he says, come my child, my feathers are here, come under me, I've got protection here, I will take care of you, I've got this. And you listening to the wrong voice, and all the time you listen, you're moving away and moving away and moving away. And then one day you find yourself and you are miles away, and his arms are still open saying, come, I've got this, come back to my shadow, come to me. And now it's a long walk back. Where when we realize what is wrong, all we need to do when the first thing comes is just to say, I'm dwelling in the secret place. I'm not moving. Yes, they said this. Yes, this happened to me. Yes, bad things do happen. But the only one that can help me is him. And I'm staying in this shadow. I refuse to move. I think these days this is just me, but it's so easy to... To say that, you know, choices are just that difficult, we can't do them. So many things are just a choice. It's just your and my will to say, I will do this, or eh, it's just too hard. And it's a choice. It's your will. 
Man, if we look what Jesus went through and the choices that he made and says, as he was sent, so are we. There's sometimes that you and I have to make difficult, hard choices, but we have to do it if we want our souls to stay intact. It's not right. You know, I look at my child sometimes, Nathan, and as a daddy, I can just see it, it's sometimes not easy to say, no, you're not going to do this. But he's still too young to make that decision. But now that I am old enough, I'm a child that has grown up. The Bible says, Paul says, now that I've grown up, I have put away childish things from me. And so many of us are waiting for God to put away the childishness. He's not going to do it. It's an order. You've grown. You're mature. You put it away. And it's not a stern finger saying, you do it by yourself. He's there. And because he says, I am with you, you can do it. You can take that thought captive. And you cannot allow that thought in your mind. And you can say the complete opposite of what the enemy is saying to you right now because it is written. There's not one circumstance in the Word of God that there's not a scripture for that has your victory already planned out. And you can choose to say, man, you know, it's just too hard. And things are hard. I understand that. But look around you. There are... There are people who come to church not for the right reason. I understand that. I understand that. I used to be one of them. When I got saved, I went to church to look at all the pretty girls, and I'm looking for a Christian wife. So I went for the wrong reason. I understand that. But there are people around here that are here for the right reason, and they want the best for you. So if it is really that hard, there is someone in this building here that you can go to and say, you know what? I just think this is just too hard. I cannot do this by myself. Will you please pray? Will you please help? Will you please stand with me? And there's someone here that won't go and tell someone else. There's someone here that won't go and say, Wow, can you believe Ben came to me and Ben said, Oh my goodness, Ben. No, it's like I will pray for Ben. Because there are people here that, honest to God, have just your best on their hearts. That's a body, that's a family. So if it is that difficult, which some decisions are, go to someone who you know. They will be there. They will help me. They will pray with me about this. But don't allow the enemy to tell you, you can't handle this, or God is not great enough, or you can't get over this, whatever it may be, because that's a lie. And so many people are living a lie today because they refuse the truth. That's a dangerous place to be in. If we, you know, 3 John 2 talks about having a prosperous soul. Also a very famous verse. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So if your soul can prosper, it's possible for you to live in soul poverty. Opposite of prosperity is poverty. So if you can have a soul that is prospering, it's possible to have a soul that is living in poverty. And now that's that soul bumping itself here, bumping itself there, and eventually you just, your soul is just so mangled, and out of that broken soul comes things in your life that God did not plan for you. We want to look at an example to, today about someone in the Old Covenant who refused difficult issues, because we're all going to have difficult issues. 
I hear it when they do these political things now. When that phone call goes off at 3 o'clock in the morning, do you want so-and-so to be the president? We're all waiting for that phone call. That phone call's coming. Somebody in the family died. You get sick. There's your, your job is, you know, all these things. I mean, the enemy's out there every single day seeing who he can get and how he can get them. But you know what? God is greater than that. We're living in the new covenant of grace. We have his word. We have his name. We have his blood. We have all of this. We have the victory through Christ Jesus in everything. But today, let's look at a lady who did not have all of this and just how she understood certain spiritual principles and did not let go therefrom. But first, we'll just look at this verse and then we'll carry on. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. We all know this. I mean, we quote this. this. This verse off by heart. You don't even have to have it there. And you can. You will keep him in perfect peace. When you, wouldn't it be nice if I came to you as a, a motivational speaker or your, your job offers me to come and speak at you and I say, man, I have perfect peace for you. How much would you pay if I offer you perfect peace? Make your checks out to Pastor Rifle Skitter if you would like perfect peace. How much would you be willing to give? That's an amazing wow. I can have perfect peace. Yes, I can bring you to perfect peace. Okay. Who you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, why does my mind stay on God? Because I've got such a strong will? Because of my willpower? I'm going to choose to keep my mind on him and I'm not going to let it go anywhere because I'm so strong and I... It's not about you, my friends. It's not about me. It never is. Why can you and I keep our minds on him? Because he trusts in you. It's a trust issue. It's not a determination issue. It's not a strong will issue. It's a trust issue. And so many of us have gone through things in our life where something that we believe for or hope would come to pass did not come to pass. And now we say, what if? I've believed for something before and it just did not happen. So I'm not going to do it again. And that's what the enemy really, really wants. Because if you hope for nothing, you're going to get it every time. Because Hebrews 11.1... 1, uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for. So if there's nothing to hope for, faith can bring nothing to pass. And that's what the enemy wants. Don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. You believing for this healing? Well, you know, Aunt Millie had the same thing, and we prayed, and we fasted, and we had the flags, and we did prayer chains. Aunt Millie died. Don't get your hopes up. That's what the enemy wants. And now the next time something like that comes, okay, let's go to the prayer room. Let's pray for someone in the back of your mind. Well, what about Aunt Millie? And now what? You can't have perfect peace. Why? Because you can't trust him. Because there's a soul issue that did not get dealt with properly, and now there's damage there. And now it's very difficult to dwell in the secret place of the Most High because your soul is somewhere else. So it's all about a trust issue. But he will keep you in perfect peace if you can trust in him all the time, no matter what comes. 
And the sooner we, we, we rely on him in a circumstance, the better. Because sometimes we, we, we allow that little negative thing to just carry on too long. It, it, it just it soothes the flesh. Poor me. They did that to me. That li- little victim mentality. And even though I know it's wrong, I'm enjoying this right now. I'll get to the truth just now, but for now, let me just hold on to this little poor victim intact just for a little while longer. Because no one else does it for me. I have to do it to myself. And I'm moving away from the shadow, and I'm moving away, and I'm moving away. And now you find yourself so far from the protection, so far from the grace, so far from the provision, because you chose to move away, because you held on to that wrong thought for just so long. But if we get our trust in him, as soon as that thing comes, take that thought captive because it's not of God. Father, I'm standing. I'm not moving. I'm seated here. In your shadow, I will not go. My soul will hold on to you. Bless the Lord. David speaking to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. If David can do that, I mean, he went through some stuff. Some stuff he did to himself, but nevertheless, he went through some stuff. But he spoke to himself, he got himself by the ear, and he said, you will bless the Lord. Because so many times we wake up or something happens, and that's the last thing we want to do, is just bless him. You are good, you're amazing, thank you for your goodness, God is always good, all the time, blah, blah, blah. Do it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You can tell your soul to bless him. And when you do that, and after you've done it for five minutes... It's amazing how small the problem really is. But the first thing the enemy wants us to do is just blow up the problem. And that's the wrong way of doing things. So bless the Lord, O oh my soul. You have that right. You have that in you to be able to do that. So we're going to look at Second Kings. We're going to look at two different chapters here. Um, Second Kings will start in chapter 4, verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. Why would you need to persuade someone? You know, was, was he one of those that said, no, I'm okay, I don't need it, I'm, I'm fine, I'll make my own. And this lady says, come, we got some food for you. No, 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 it's good. And she had to persuade him to say, come in, come and have some food. Please come and sit and dine with us. So she persuaded him. So it was as often as he passed by that he would turn in to eat some food. She was a good persuader. Because every time he passed by there now, he felt comfortable to go in there and to eat with them. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair, lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Praise God, she believed in prosperity. Because we may think today, well, you know, it couldn't be that expensive to build a room on the wall and just put a bed and a candle in there. But all things are relative. The price that we would pay today to go out and build an extra room on our house so that a man from God could stay relative to what they were paying in those days. Where did that thought come from? Where did that thought come from? 
I spoke a while ago about thoughts that we have, and you have to check every thought that comes into your mind. Where did that thought come from? Build an extra room onto your house so that this man of God can stay here whensoever he passes by. So she receives the thought, and so many times we have thoughts of God and we say, that's not God. That can't be. You want me to pay how much money to build a room that just every now and then, what a waste. I mean, whatever the case may be, we receive thoughts all the time from God because he's always leading, always guiding, always speaking. So she received that thought and she said, yes, okay. So now she could have said, yeah, maybe it is God, but no, I'm not going to do it. Nobody would have known because who else got this thought? Nobody but her. You see, so God could speak to you something that nobody else gets, and you can just say no. No one else sitting around you would know, but you would. You would know that he spoke, and you have been disobedient. Nobody else does. So they build on this room. She goes to her husband, and she says, let us do this. Let us make this room, and they do it. So now the story, it's too much to read the whole story, but Elisha is there, Gehazi, he's servant so he's talking to guys and they say what can we do for this woman so he says do you want me to speak to the king i can go to the king on your behalf or the command of the armies she says all is good i, I dwell amongst my own people i can speak to him everything is well then gehazi says ah there's one thing that she doesn't have they don't have a child so elisha says okay Next year, this time, about this time, you will have a child. And she goes on, she says, don't, don't lie to me, man of God. Don't lie to me. Because this is just too good to be true. Because my husband is old. My husband is old. So please don't, don't put that dream in my heart if it cannot come to pass. Because if I hope for nothing, I'm going to get it every single time. And I'd rather get nothing than hope for something from God and be disappointed. So don't lie to me, man of God. And then the Bible says, at the, at the time of what Elisha said, she bore a child. So now she's got this child with old husband and all. Less money in the bank because they've built on this new room. Now she has a child. Because she chose to believe the goodness of God through the word of the, the man of God that he spoke. So now she's got this child. The story goes on. They're in the fields one day, and the child says his head is hurting. So his father says, okay, go to your mother. Long story short, because of time, the child dies. The child dies. Now, what does the enemy come and bring to your soul when bad things happen? She could have said so many things. She could have shouted. She could have been angry. She could have thrown her toys out of the car. I mean, this is a serious, horrible situation. Something that is it's too good to be true, yet it came true. And now it's just plucked away. It's taken away from you. And so many times we believe for something, it happens, and then for whatever reason, it's not there anymore. And many times the enemy wants us to raise our fingers and say, how could you? I didn't even want to believe for this miracle. I didn't even want to believe and trust in you for this. And you gave and now it's gone. And I told you from the beginning. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. But you see, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, spirit, soul, and body, 
I've got this. That's what he's saying. I've got this. Because you see, if I can make the child the first time, I can bring life back to him. But you just got to believe in my goodness. If I could give you that miracle the first time and it was taken away, I can resurrect whatever miracle you've lost in your life. But don't move away. Don't move away from my shadow because it's all under the shadow of my wings and I'm able to do this for you. So long story short, they go, Gehazi goes with him. This lady goes to her husband and she says, please bring me a donkey that I may go to the man of God. Look what the husband says. Uh, let me just find it here. Uh, the husband, so he says, the husband says, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon or the Sabbath. What does that tell us? She dwelt in the secret place. Every place that she could be, everything she needed to do, she said, I'm going to do this because this is what God told me to do. She didn't move from that. New moon, Sabbath, she was there. Where God told her to be, God says, on the Sabbath, this is where I will be. You must be there. She was there. On the new moon, you go over there, you do this because that's where I will be. She went there. And the husband says, it's not a feast. It's not a new moon. It's not so. Why do you need to see the man of God? Many of us would start bawling and saying, you know, just all kinds of things about the dead child. Look what this woman answers. Uh, she says to her husband, it is well. It is well. Now, where she got a revelation from Proverbs 18.21 from I don't know, Mark 11, speak to the I don't know. But somewhere in her time, in her proximity, in her closeness to God, God taught her without anyone being there. Watch the words that come out of your mouth. Do not speak the problem, but preach and proclaim and declare the answer. I don't know whose CD series she had. I don't know what DVD she was watching. I don't know whose conferences she went to. But she had an understanding of he has taught me to say the right thing. So she says, it is well. You've got to understand, a child is dead. But she refuses to allow her soul to be damaged by circumstances that the enemy brings into her life. And she speaks the desired result. Very, very important. So now the story goes on. They go out to find Gehazi. Uh, Gehazi goes, they find Elisha the prophet. In any case, he comes back and lies and sneezes and they do all of these things and the child is brought to life. The man of God brings back this child to life. Anything that the enemy takes away from you that was God's will, he's able to resurrect and bring back to your life. As long as we don't point the finger, as long as we lose hope, as long as we don't say, well, I... As long as we stay in the shadow of the Almighty, He's got it. There's nothing the enemy can take that he cannot bring back again, that he can resurrect and bring to life. So now we go on in the same book, in 2 Kings chapter 8. It's not chronologically very well written. It jumps from here to there, so it's very difficult to follow. But in chapter 8, we read here, then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household. Stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called a famine, and furthermore it will come upon the land for seven years. 
Look how good God is. God sends the man of God and he says, listen, there's going to be a famine. Move away. There's not going to be any food here, but it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. So God comes through the man of God and he brings a word and he says, you've got to get away from here for seven years because there's going to be a famine. So this woman obeys. For seven years she goes away and she lives with the Philistines. After seven years she comes back to her land, wanting to go back to her farm, to her you know, property that was hers. And it's not there anymore. It's there, but it's been given to someone else. And all the produce over the seven years, all that money, all everything, she's lost. And it's been given to another person. So she goes to the king. In those days, people could go to the king to fight their own case. So she goes to the king to speak to the king about, I've been gone for seven years. That's my land. That's my produce. It belongs to me. And it's been taken away. So she's standing there talking to the king and just so happens to be just coincidence, just by accident. You know, we have all of these things that we say. She's standing there talking to the king. As she comes into the king, Gehazi is standing in front of the king. This is seven years, people. Seven years goes by. There's a famine. Seven years later, she comes back at the very, very same second that Gehazi is standing in front of the same king. And the king says to Gehazi, tell me some of the miracles that Elisha did. And he's going on. And at the same time that Gehazi says, and oh, great king, Elisha brought someone's son back from the dead. What a miracle. Here comes that dead son who is now living again. At the very same you couldn't write a book or plan this if you wanted to so she walks in and while Gehazi is talking to the king Gehazi says oh dear king this is the boy and the woman that Elijah raised from the dead something that was so terrible oh, what happened then the king says this is the one the one you're telling me about right now, more than seven years ago, and he says it is he. So the king appoints people to them, to this widow, and to her son now and says, everything that was yours, all the produce, everything that you've lost over the seven years, restored back to them, it's theirs. She could have thrown in a towel when her boy died. She could have said, that's it. I didn't even want to believe for this in the first place. But she believed and she held on to the man of God because she knew that whatever God tells you is possible. And she would not let go. She says to him, he says, I don't care. We're going on a horse. You, you do not stop. Doesn't matter how you go and you ride. But I will not leave your side. I will not let go of you because you have the words of life. God speaks to you and what you say will come to pass. You will bring my child to life. So now that terrible experience, and we all go through terrible experiences. There's not one person here. We can start with Miss Cindy and Ed right there in the corner that we can say, I've not experienced anything bad in my life. And many of us right now are experiencing something terrible in your life. But look how good God is. 
you cannot plan seven years of drought and, and at that very moment while Gehazi is talking to the king, in comes the land. You can't plan that. It's God. But it came from a very, very hurtful, very, very terrible situation. And we always use the verse in, in, in Genesis where we talk about Moses that he says to his brothers, you guys meant this for evil, but God will turn around this situation and use it for good. And the enemy wanted to kill the child. He did what he meant for evil. Now because of that very same miracle that happened because of it, everything that was hers is restored. You just need and I just need to keep our souls in the secret place of the Most High no matter what comes against us, and say, I am not moving from here. And one day you will be standing, talking to a king about something that you lost, and it was yours, and justice will be fought and brought to your account because of the king of kings. As long as you and I stay in the secret place of the Most High. If you are here now and you have moved a little bit away from the secret place or you realize there's something in your soul and you're worried, you're lying in bed at night, but you're not there. You're somewhere else. What about my children? Are my children okay? How, well, what's going to happen to my children? My finances. What's going to happen to my finances? My family. My health. If that is you, you're not in the secret place of the Most High Spirit, soul, and body. Let's stand up and give this to the Lord right now. Only if that's you, if your soul has moved away from the shadow of the Almighty. Father God, we thank you that your book is so full of miracles and things that you have done for people in the past, Lord. But your word says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says that Jesus never change, changes. God doesn't lie. So, Lord, if we have allowed our souls to move away from the shadow of you, we come now and repent and say, we should not be doing that. We should keep ourselves under your shadow. We should stay there. We should fight to stay under your shadow, under your wing. We should put up a fight and come against everything that would want to take us away from the presence of your wings covering us. So we just come now and we say we've maybe moved a little bit away, but right now we're coming back. Thank you that your wings are open. You're saying, I've got this, child. I've got this. Come back. Come here. Here's my covering. Come back. And we come back. We choose right now to bring our souls into alignment with you. We choose soul prosperity right now in Jesus' name. And we say, no, you will not allow poverty in this soul. Every thought that doesn't line up with God, we take it captive and we bring it into the obedience of what Jesus has done for us already. You will provide every need. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the one who sees and provides. You are our healer. You are our righteousness. You are our shepherd. You are the one who wars on our behalf. You are God Almighty. And we are in the shadow of your wing right now. And we declare we refuse to move. There is nothing that can come our way that will move us 
from this position of protection under our Abba. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that your wings are always open and you say, I've got this child. I've got this. Look to me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Keep your mind on me because you can trust in me. I'm a good father who has good for you. No matter what comes against us, we will stay planted in the house of the Lord and we will dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, God, for new life. Thank you for a new opportunity. Thank you for a new covering, for new strength, new vigor, new life, new energy to fight against that which would want to move us away from your presence and say, no, we will not move. Thank you, Lord, for your strength that dwells on the inside of us as you tell us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We can't do this, Lord, but you in us can keep us in the shadow of your Father. So we thank you for this day, Lord, for everything you've done, everything you've removed from our souls that should not be there and brought forth new life. Just where you are, just raise your hands and thank Him. It's done. Just raise your hands. Just thank Him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace, your kindness. You're always open. You're always waiting for us, Lord. You're always there calling us back by name. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. As you leave this place, stay in the shadows of the Almighty. Don't allow anything that comes against you to move you away from that place. Stand fast because the victory is yours in Christ Jesus. If you need any prayer, come forward. We would love to pray with you and for you. And go and stay in the shadow as a healed, healthy soul. In Jesus' name, God bless.